Where are all my friends? Adam Criscow. I'm freaking hype, dude. Same, dude. Thanks for having me. This is, yeah. this is great. Thanks for doing it. I, I love like this exact moment, this setup, the way that this came to be is literally my favorite way a podcast can happen where we met through a mutual friend. Shout out Tatiana, yes. who was also on the podcast. Absolutely. A like low-key, homey, like get together kind of like cookout party. What's the name of the dessert you brought? Fucking, it's um, the best thing I've ever had. I'll get it. I'll get it. They, okay. They're the cream puffs. But uh But are they like a Polish dessert or like a Eastern European something like I wish I could make oh, it sound fancier okay, than what okay, it is, okay. but it's like literally at Smart and Final. It's a frozen tub. <laughs> I still think about it. <laughs> it's I my go-to party if, if it's like bring sweets i'll be like say less i got you it's such a fun thing to I bring know. to a party i honestly like i don't want to bite off your style but every time i'm going to a party i'm like oh is this the day where i go and get the thing that have I you done it yet no because i always forget that it's smart and final yeah, yeah please text me when you do it okay okay please text yeah, me yeah because it's a little bit of a bold move people aren't <laughs> right away to grab them but once people get getting at them it's the hit once you pop yeah 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 it's the Pringles of dessert food. <laughs> anyway, I'm glad you're here on this podcast to talk about dessert foods. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Let's get into that. No, but uh, I love when uh, friendships happen supernaturally. And when we met that day, I was instantly fascinated by what you were up to. Like you have this cool thing where you're in music, but you're also kind of more than just a musician doing a lot of cool stuff. And that really stands out to me. And you were just a good hang. Like we just had like a bunch of fun stuff to talk about, but I don't know your professional career story. I think there's a lot there. Mm -hmm. So I'm super hyped to sit down, like knowing you as a homie, but not knowing your career story to like dig in and learn some. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. I feel like you and I met at a time where this, this furniture business that I've spawned over the past few years yeah. was taking over my life more than I anticipated mm -hmm. and also more than music had been for the previous 37 years of my life. Wow. You know, there's like quite a few people in my life that I've met in the past three to five years who still have never seen me play drums and still don't know that it's a part of my identity and still don't know that I've been doing it since I was three. You know, like it's, no a, it's a really weird shift. Yeah. Meeting people at this time is is unique. Whoa. Because that that is super unique because does that mean... I, I think of that as a good thing where clearly then your furniture business is legit enough and you're good enough at doing that, that people could only know you as that and not be like, oh, cool, that's Adam's side gig. Yeah, it's it's great in that regard. And then it's also weird for the internal monologue and the mm -hmm. ego and, and all that. I struggled with that a little bit of like my beginning roots in my professional career was like tour manager and touring with bands. Right. And now like, I don't want to say it feels like a lifetime ago, but like I've definitely tried a lot of things to find my place. And I'm sure that life will always be evolving. So for you to have this identity of like, I tour with bands, I play drums, I do this. And then it's like, oh yeah, what's up? I build furniture. It's like, huh? yeah. yeah, yeah, it's really weird. Yeah, it's really strange. As we get into that, because I, I actually don't even know this. You've toured with a lot of crazy bands. Yeah, yeah. I have a specialty of coming in kind of last minute <laughs> and learning songs, you know, for one gig at a time. Yep. And then that that echelon of artists has, has run the gamut from like Weezer to this band Fits in the Tantrums. And I've toured extensively with Miley Cyrus and Tegan and Sarah and Sia. I toured from the very beginning with this guy, Troy Sivan, for a little bit. What? I didn't uh, know. Yeah, yeah. Played his first show to that he ever played in his entire life with him and then toured for the next two or three years with him during that. I played with Noah Cyrus here and there. There's a lot of 
there's a lot of those kind of gigs where people just call last minute. So didn't you do something for Brian with, uh, with, uh, Billie Eilish too? Well, yeah, this is, I mean, this is a very interesting, you know, moment and maybe this arena is the only place I can like ever talk about it publicly because I can't really put it on my resume, but yeah, uh, you know, COVID times mm -hmm. people started calling me just to have me learn a set of music and oh. be a backup in case their drummer got COVID last minute. Oh and needed my God. To... Because if you're touring at that level, it's already such a risk. There were so many precautions. Yeah. You're so playing... if your artist, if your headlining main artist has a band right. and somebody, if a musician, about, like anyone in the band falls out, yeah. you can't risk that. Right. So I was on, I was on hold with Billie Eilish Holy crap. for three months Wow. during her US run. But then did you play or no? I never ended up playing with her. No, it's, but you no. learned the whole set. I learned the whole set. Crazy. Her drummer, I've known since he was 16 years old. He's a very dear friend. Our mutual friend, Brian Marquis, is the, yeah. the tour manager. Brian and I were in a hardcore band in high school together. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a fun one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I met Brian when I was 14 or 15 years old. Seventh, seventh, eighth grade. Yeah. So wow. thir 13, 14. We were in a hardcore band when I was 15. Yeah. I couldn't drive a car yet. And still to this day, like my folks wouldn't let me get in a car with Brian at that point. They were like, no way in hell we're, we trust him. You, we're going to drive you to gigs. And Brian still gives me shit for it to this day. That's and I'm like, great. dude, you are crazy. I'm not going to like, there's That's no way great. I was going to get in a car with you. Anyway, there's a lot of family in the Billie Eilish camp. Yeah, they they trusted me enough to come in and, and kind of do that for a few months. And yeah, Andrew ended up getting COVID um, on the first day of their eight day long break. Oh, and wow. I was like, okay, I guess this is it. But also he's got eight days to recover. Yeah. He's got eight days to test negative. Yeah. And by, you know, day eight, it was like either I was flying to Alabama the next day to play the gig or he was just going to do it and they were going to put a mask on him for the gig if he was still testing positive. Who knows what they were going to do. Yeah. And he literally. tested negative like right in time Crazy. and I didn't get to play the gig. That's so weird because like obviously you want your homies to like not be sick and to like do their oh, thing. Oh yeah. That's yeah. such a weird thing to like be the backup for that. That's got to be a weird psychological thing, huh? It was, yeah, like I don't wish anybody to get COVID. I don't wish harm on my buddy, especially. But of course I would love to play that gig. Are you <laughs> yeah. kidding? Yeah. yeah. Like the music Dude. is great. She's playing awesome shows. Like, yeah. hell yeah, of course I would love to do that. I'm blown away though. It's so funny to me because I wanted you to like rattle off the names just like this. But in my head, when I was like, preparing mentally for like the little bits I knew mm -hmm. for some reason, it really stuck with me just uh tegan and sarah <laughs> off of us talking that stood out i was like oh adam yeah yeah plays for tegan and sarah and you just rattled off such crazy names and i'm like tegan and sarah though <laughs> well so man crazy. i just did a tour with them for the first time in eight years wow yeah i hadn't toured with them since you know 2014 you know in the midst of different record cycles coming into play moving places whatever um i couldn't do the the past touring and mm -hmm. then this this one just lined up perfectly and it was a month and it was super easy. I was like, yeah, of course I would love to do it. So sick. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. And it was fun. Yeah, it was yeah. great. I'm a, I'm a big fan of theirs. I think they're like, I always respect artists that maintain a lifelong career and continue yeah. to push. And I remember they really had a moment in the early 2010s when I first found them. And then 
they put that album out, Hey, I'm Just Like You, mm -hmm. which was like old stuff. But yeah. I remember going to a show. I don't know. Maybe you played, maybe not. I don't remember if they, I don't think they had a drummer, but it was like half, like it was like a book or oh, something. Oh, the book release tour. That I thought was, that was. I didn't play that. So well done. Yeah, it was one of my favorite tours. It's interesting. I've talked to a couple friends, fans about it, and it seems to be like slightly polarizing. Really? Yeah. Most of the people. Most of the people I talked to were like, yeah, that was one of the most beautiful tours, especially of theirs, if you're a fan of theirs. Yeah. There's a couple of fans who are who are just like, no, I didn't like it. They didn't play enough music. Crazy. Like two. Crazy. Yeah. But I, yeah. yeah I, but I, it's I, funny. Like, I would love to see you play a show with them now. That's, that's so sick. Yeah, but, yeah. Okay. So you've played drums for a lot of huge names. Yeah. And you are very familiar with being the touring drummer for bands. Mm -hmm. However, I was very curious of like where your where the beginning of all this happened. And you said that you played in a hardcore band with Brian Marquis. Yeah, Brian Marquis is now Billie Eilish's tour manager. Yeah, uh, but he came from the Warp Tour world. Yeah, he's very respected amongst all of that whole mm -hmm. scene. Like he's just this really incredible dude. And I remembered that he was from the Northeast. Yeah. But I had no idea that you guys played together. So is that yeah. like kind of the beginning of you getting in bands or take me back to then? If we're, if we're going all the way back, like I, right out of the gate, I was playing drums on anything possible as a little kid to the point where like for my third birthday, my mom was like, we're just getting you drums because there's no question that that's what you want to do. That's what's going on. Wow, that's so cool. So that was like, there was never a question in my mind, really, both my folks are musicians. Thankfully, they took me out to see music when I was a little kid all the time. Yeah. What really got me hooked is my dad was, he's a guitar player. He was studying guitar. He would go out and see his teachers playing yeah. in, in New York City, bootleg the shows, bring them back, and we'd listen together. And then I was just like, the, the specifically, there was a drummer named Zach Danziger who was 16 when he was playing on all these recordings. And I was like, wait, I'm four, he's 16. That gives me, you know, 12 years to get this together. Like, that's what I want to do. I want to do that. That's so sick because I feel like you'll talk to people and it's, it's one of the two, but there are people that from that early on, they just knew like yeah. literally on like the earliest kid shit, the earliest memories, like certain singers I've talked to, like whatever it is, that thing, yeah. it's really that early. Yeah, wow. totally, totally. I, and you know, around 11 or 12, there was like, I'm gonna be a baseball player and I, I think yeah. I could be pretty good at it. But by 11 or 12, did you rip on the drums? I wouldn't say I've ripped, but like, you know, I did pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and generally up until late high school and, and college was a self-taught, musician so that that no oftentimes way. has its drawbacks mm. you know like i still am a horrible reader if i have to sight read music on a if i'm playing on film score or something like that sick. i'm not as good at that as most people are but at the same time you know playing by ear gets you in a in, i think in a much wider berth mm -hmm. of music to choose from mm -hmm. because your ears are training you at all times to kind of blend in with whatever genre yeah. you're you're playing at the time and i thought for a long time it was just going to be like i was going to be a jazz musician who also did other gigs here and there mm. and i went to college as as a jazz major i went to a, a performing arts high school and that was all jazz concentrated and world music concentrated a little bit so me just being in a hardcore band was was just trying to be you know spread that birth as wide as possible and do as many things musically as I could. See, but this is really interesting to me because if you from that early on 
like that path of drummer could have gone in so many different ways, right? Like totally. You can be like, all right, cool. I'm going to be the best uh like jazz world anything you could be the best studio musician or you could be like i'm gonna go start a band with my friends and like tour the world yeah so that's like did you have the desire did you want it to be your band or did you just want to play i just wanted to play really even even when i got to college and i and it was the jazz concentration i would go to all like the songwriting majors and all the studio production majors freshman year ended up like getting in a band with with a dear friend of mine, this guy, Dan Romer, who's now a, a, a really uh, successful film composer. Mm. We still work together, you know, all the time. Mm. It's been, you know, 21 plus years Sick. that we've been working together. And it was just like, jazz is great. It's going to give me the facility to do whatever I want mm -hmm. musically. And then the rest will kind of fall into place. Okay. So then <laughs> the fact that you played drums in a hardcore band with Brian Markey in high school <laughs> is like extra funny because like you weren't really trying to be like Warped Tour kid and have your own band. No. And I never went on Warped Tour. No way. Yeah. I just like, for whatever reason... That that is just like a, a void that just like slipped by. That's so nice. Probably thankfully from what I've heard. Yeah, I mean, I mean it was it's like it was just a moment in time. You yeah. know, I'm very thankful for it. And it was like that was my college of life and like how I met a lot of the first foundational people. Yeah. I just it's just a, a moment, you know? Yeah. But you play in a band. But then you did go to college and all that. So did you tour at all? Did you do like regional East Coast stuff? Like, did you get a taste enough to be like, yo, I'm in on this? Because it's funny to me that you've now toured so much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always, it was kind of like, do whatever you can to play with artists that will get you to tour around the world. We, I came from a pretty humble financial upbringing uh, amongst a lot of wealth in Connecticut. Really? Yeah. Always just ended up, and I was born in Northern New Jersey. It's become a very affluent area because of the proximity to New York city. Same with Connecticut. You're just mm -hmm. living amongst a lot of wealth and all of those friends of mine were like, yeah, we're going to Paris for vacation or we're going skiing in the Swiss Alps because we can afford to do that. And then it was like, oh, we're graduating college and I'm just going to take a gap year and travel around Europe for you know three months and then yeah, go to New Zealand. And, and yeah. yeah. And I was like, I could never afford to do that. My family can't afford to do that. Oh, you're saying all these other people are doing yeah, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Okay. yeah. Sorry. And so like that being said, I was like, music is going to be my ticket to go do that. That's funny. That's I had a very similar experience. Really? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I always had a roof and food, but when I started selling merch and then TMing for my friends, when we got out of the state of Florida and it wasn't like the gas money wasn't my gas money paying for it, I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. Like, yeah. So that's funny. Like that was your ticket. Yeah, you, you put absolutely. Together. Absolutely. So it was like, whatever I have to do to like, you know, musically find the right avenue for that, hopefully while holding on to my integrity and and enjoying the music that I'm playing and you know feeling good about all that. Yeah. That'll provide that. The college band that I was in with Dan Romer, we we like tours very loose. It was like taking the Honda Civic up to Boston from New York mm -hmm. and then like back to New York. Yeah, like you could do the weekend runs like yeah. regional little yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. That wasn't it, but you did figure out that touring could be your ticket to like travel the world and see that. Did mm -hmm. you graduate college? I did. Okay. I did. So, yeah. So you probably didn't start proper touring until after that. How did that all shake out? I, I kind of call it the elimination method in a way. And I guess you could equate it to like writing a goal list, mm -hmm. but I would always kind of say, okay, the blanket picture is like, I want to make a living 
doing music related things. Mm -hmm. So whatever that is, it was teaching lessons. Mm -hmm. I accompanied a lot of modern dance classes, mm -hmm. which was a lot of fun. And I learned a whole lot from it. It was incredible. And then of course, recording sessions, playing live shows, touring, you know, Broadway shows, whatever else would fall into that. And then I realized like the teaching lessons started searching and turning into like babysitting. It mm. wasn't fulfilling anymore. The accompanying dance classes was cool, but it was, it was kind of a slog. So then all I want to do now is eliminate the lessons, eliminate the dance classes, and then just focus on playing shows and recording. And that's mm. it. Yeah. And see if I can do it that way. Nice. And then, you know, like little by little, you just, you see those things fade out and fade in. Yeah. Then it becomes like, okay, well then I only want to be playing music that I actually like. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then I only want to be playing music where I'm going to tour mm -hmm. at X level. That's a less than traditional path. Like music in the, in the early days is risky and there's not a lot of money and it's not very like reward. Well, it can be rewarding, but there's, sure. the, it's a risky path. Yeah. Was there any moments in that where you were like, yo, maybe this isn't it. Or were you just so dead set on like, this is my shit. I'm going to figure this out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Option B. Yeah. Option B. Okay. You know, option A kind of came in later, ironically enough, like mm. after some success started coming into the fold. Okay. Well then my next question was, yeah. what was your first moment of success when you're like, all right, cool lessons. Nah, we're good. I'm just going to go all in on like, like what was your first, like, oh my God, I just got this tour. In 2009, I ended up, going on tour with this guy named Joshua Radin, okay. who he's not an LA native, but he had been based in LA at the time, Yeah, um, is very close friends with Zach Braff, ended up getting a lot of music placed on Scrubs uh -huh. and ended up getting a lot of European recognition. So okay. I knew the bass player at the time. I didn't know the keyboard guitar player and they pulled me in and then the first tour was in Europe. Damn. And as a music nerd, we land in Sweden yeah. I have Swedish descent, <laughs> had never been over there. We're in my homeland, whatever that means. Yeah. And it's the middle of summer. So it's like always light out and just dusk. Yeah. And we land and go to the festival on the first night and Neil Young is headlining. I was brought up on Neil Young's music. My mom is, you know, a huge fan of his. And it was just like, oh, wow, this is okay. This is exactly, this is it. You know, That is an important moment. I yeah. Think, I think everybody that has like that creative career, like that, that drive yeah. has those days or those like very specific moments where you're like, I am exactly where I need to be at the exact right time. And mm. this is everything. Yeah. That was that for you. That was one of them. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. How old were you at that time? Great question. 27. Oh, wow. So like, is that right? Yeah. You had paid some dues. Like, like you weren't like young yeah. kids straight fresh out of college being like, whoa, it worked. Like yeah. you from the four-year-old you yeah. to 27, like that was a journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you have this moment where you're like, all right, I'm out here, Europe, like proper festival, totally. proper tour. Yeah. And like also seeing bands that I grew up listening to and, mm -hmm. you know, we later on that exact tour in London. Yeah. Uh. Neil Young is headlining. We're like, yeah, let's go see Neil again. This will be great. And the encore, he brings Paul McCartney out. No way. And they play A Day in the Life. They play a couple other songs. And I couldn't talk for like two hours afterwards. It's <laughs> like, what is going on? Next thing I know, I'm being ushered into a van. My friend's father is Bruce Springsteen's manager. And she's like, yeah, we're going to Bruce's after party. It's like, what is going on? Oh my God. This That's is, so this is absurd. Good. Yeah, I it was, love hearing those moments because it's like, 
I don't know, the whole idea with the podcast is like, if you have that vision, keep going. But it's like, dude, you were 27. Like the fact, like that's a lot of dedication. That's a lot of time. But then you get that moment and you're like, here we go. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's so sick. So then what happens from there? <laughs> um, go back to New York, yeah. slog it out. Really? Playing small clubs again. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, there was a time where I was playing four to six nights a week in the Lower East Side doing you know 50 to 100 cap rooms no way and is that just like uh random bands hiring you like random yeah bands and mostly are... singer songwriters wow yeah that's nuts it was right around that time where like people who play guitar quietly and sing quietly were getting a real leg up in, uh -huh. in the in the spotlight so yep. to speak and i was just someone who could play quietly and that's all they knew. So that's why I was getting work. I mean, Ironic like, because of the hardcore upbringing. I know, thing, yeah. yeah. But I mean, I guess you have a pretty wide range. Like you're like, yep. all right, quiet, yeah. Or you want to rip, whatever. Sure, let's yeah. let's go. Yeah. And then do you have another moment where like another band hits you up? Or like, what's your next like, oh my God. I was meant to go out on the road with an artist opening for the Black Keys. Wow. She ended up wanting to rehearse an absurd amount of time uh -huh. and didn't want to pay yeah. a lot of money to do it. Yeah. And... I, you know, I requested a certain amount of rehearsals instead and, and she found another drummer and I ended up out on tour with this other guy who was really great, but we were touring in like a Scion XB No way. <laughs> and he didn't have his driver's license. So I drove the whole time and he also have, was having vocal problems. So he couldn't talk for most of the time. So it was a grueling thing. You've been through it. But he was so generous and he was like, yeah, this singer named Sia is looking for a new drummer and I put your name in the hat. Uh -huh. Because I know you would probably have a great time doing it. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, that's okay, cool. Did you know who Sia was at the I time? Knew, I knew Zero Seven. Mm -hmm. I still haven't watched Six Feet Under, but a, a lot of people know her from Six Feet Under. But no, I had no idea. Right. And and it was um, pretty early for her too to like like that was like right when it was starting to like really happen, right? Yes. Yeah. That was just the Six Feet Under finale had been out for maybe a year at that point. I could be wrong in that timeline, but it was 2010. Okay. I'm going to be 100% honest. Yeah. Did not know she was in Six Feet Under. Well, okay. I should I should preface. Her song is the last five, six minutes of the last episode of the oh, show. Oh, it's like the way that like Phantom Planet is associated with the OC. Yes, yes. A million percent. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, right. I didn't know she acted as well. Yeah, no, no, Okay, no. all right, all right. Sometimes as the podcast host, that's a funny moment, what I just did there. Because <laughs> I can just, I can like smile and nod and be like, cool, cool. cool, cool and cool. no one's going to know. And like, you'll carry the story. <laughs> I could have cheated it, but that was a moment where I was like, I'm going to throw that out there. We'll yeah, see where yeah. this takes us. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad I did. <laughs> I've learned. We've all learned together. Yeah. So, you know, like I toured with her pretty extensively. There was a lot of aha moments on that tour. Yeah. Especially that's still, and no offense to anyone who I've played with since, that's still like the highlight band really? for me. Yeah. Certain artists just treat band and crew so fucking well. And it's mm -hmm. like such a great experience through and through. Yeah. Yeah. Every tour has its stuff. This was, this was like the band was just extra special. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, the bass player even, you know, this was 2010 to 2011. And the bass player texted me a, a video of us two days ago. I was like, hey, man, you got to check this out again. And it sounds great. And I'm so proud of that era. And I wish there was more documented, you know, live footage of us yeah. doing that because it was, it's, yeah, the band is insane. And she's the best singer I've ever worked with for sure. Wow. Yeah. She's so a, she's amazing. 
you get a taste of that life. Yeah. And like at that spot, like, do you get an ego at all? Are you like, yo? Oh, probably I went from did. The XB to the fucking <laughs> bus, baby. To Let's the bus, go. We're flying around. I probably did. Yeah. Yeah. I really hope I was keeping it somewhat in check. Mm. But yeah, of of course there was an ego, and I didn't realize the ego was there until the furniture business started. Whoa, really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Fun. Or I mean, I knew it was there, but it became very apparent once once the music kind of took a back seat for a second. Interesting. What, because yeah. you expected people to know like your profession or whatever, or, or elaborate on that? I guess kind of the realization of like the the condition response that is provided from being a musician your entire life. I get on stage every night. Mm-hmm. I do something for three to five minutes. Mm-hmm. Even if we're bad, even if there's two people in the room, someone is always going like, hey man, that was great. <laughs> yeah, weird. <laughs> right? That's true. And in the wood shop that doesn't exist yeah that doesn't exist at all and there's like there's another gratification that comes out of it you find it internally you find it when you hand off the piece at the end of the the project and and the client gets to see it but i went from a whole lifetime of that Mm -hmm. to just like okay i'm like sanding it's hot i'm covered (laughs) in sawdust it's like applause you care do you no okay yeah and you're not really like internet guy either like no like out here being like look i just finished this yeah Yeah. no 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 no. so like it's 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 a weird it's a weird shift yeah for sure but it wasn't i mean you had a lot of years of touring from then until the wood business yeah yeah i was on the road basically from 2010 to 2018 Get, get into a little bit of that. That's fun. That's so like you kind of, you made it, right? Like yeah. you go from Sia and then Sia, like, give me, give me the path. Give um, me the fun ones. I did a very brief couple of shows with Brandon Flowers from the Killers uh-huh. on his solo record. When I was out with Sia, I was in Australia for a month and a half, a really fun tour. It also happened in January, February, which meant I got to miss winter for the first time in my life ever, having oh, grown yeah, up in the Northeast. Australia is the summer, right? Yeah. yeah. It was incredible. And I was like, oh, I'm way happier. I'm way more satisfied if I don't have to deal with the winter. Yeah. So that prompted my move to LA. Uh, and then in 2012, I moved to LA. I was also touring with this band Dispatch for a little bit. They're like a Boston jam band. Sia's bass player, my buddy Jasper, pulled me in with Tegan and Sarah and said, hey, I think you'd be a good fit for this band. Um, Ended up taking over that gig from a guy named Jason McGurr, who's the longest standing drummer in Death Cab for Cutie. What the fuck? He's also a superhero of mine. I had to audition in front of him Uh, on his drums. It was horrifying. uh, And... um, (laughs) And Tegan and Sarah was for uh, two two long years. The first year we were out 290 days. I had 70 days at home. The next year I had 100 days at home. So after the first year, I was like, I'm getting rid of my house. I don't need to, to have a place. And I was nomadic for about a year and a half. No way. Um, was that pretty fun? It was great. Yeah. It was incredible. We have a stopover in Switzerland and... We don't have, we have 10 days off till we go to Asia. Yeah, I'll go to Rome. Why not? (laughs) That works out. I don't have a house. Yeah. I don't need to do anything. That's so sick. So you were just in it, like full on, like touring the world. Yeah. Fully, fully, fully committed at the highest level. Yeah. You know, tour to tour to tour. Uh, Jasper and I ended up touring with this woman, Joy Williams, for a little bit. She was in a band called The Civil Wars that did really well. That tour kind of ended abruptly and then... My buddy Stacy Jones, who is Miley Cyrus's drummer, he called me up and was like, "Hey, I have this new kid, Troy Savan. He's up and coming YouTuber. 
but he's got a great voice. What do you, you know, would you be interested? And, and I said, sure. And, and it, yeah, we were on, we were on the road for a long time. That was 2015 to 18. He's a legend. He's yeah, so good. He's incredible. Yeah. He's wow. incredible and, a, and an amazing human and so talented and so kind and giving with his time. And he's, yeah, he's great. Dude. So you've got like years in the game of like full touring, like, yeah. like more days on the road than off the road in a year. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Wow. For sure. And then you said you did Weezer too? Yeah. Weezer is one of these random one-off yeah. moments. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're doing a private gig for Andrew Yang for his campaign and the drummer couldn't make it. And so it was just like, hey, can you go out and rehearse? Well, there's no rehearsal. You'll have to rehearse on the jet on the no way to the way. gig. Yeah. It was my first time on a on private jet. PJ. And, and I'm just like sitting here with brushes on the fucking tray, just like, I okay, this is a song I've been playing, you know, since I was in high school. Yeah. Oh yeah, this is this one. really happening? Actually, what that was a bit of a full circle moment because I in New York, friends of mine had been doing a Weezer tribute show where they play the blue album front to back, note for note. And I subbed once for that gig. No way. And it was a lot of fun. And then all of a sudden I'm like here playing this gig with these guys, going like oh, this isn't the cover band. This uh, isn't that tribute act. Like you're playing. You're going through the same motions yeah. and you're like, wait, this sounds really good tonight. <laughs> it's like, why does this sound Damn, way more authentic? They're on tonight. Yeah. So, you know, it was like, it was just that one gig. And actually the very last gig I did before pandemic was like a duo show with Rivers for some private corporate event. Wow. And that was just weird. And it, you know, it was like a restaurateur's convention and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the weird stuff still happens all the time. Yeah, that's still there. Yeah. Here's a question to like kind of reverse engineer it for somebody who maybe relates to your story or wants to to follow a similar path. Was there is there a lesson to be learned in the moment of going from lesser known bands to getting the SIA break? Hmm. Like did life change? Is there something of like once you level up once and prove it there that it, it kind of maintains you a higher level? Or if you were to go back and break that down, is there anything to dissect there? As much as I had supportive parents, as much as I was so gung-ho about being a musician for a living and having no alternate plan, society is always kind of like, you know, if you're dating a girl and you meet their parents and their parents are always like, so what's, but if music doesn't work out, what's going on? Tell us yes, about that. Dude, yes. You know? And, and so I would say that those moments really kind of solidify um, the, the path that you feel like you need to be on. I don't know if, whether you feel that spiritually, whether you feel that from an Excel sheet that you've documented with, you know, formulas to determine whether or not you should be doing it mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. on any level, it's kind of just like accepting and encouraging this, the, the path that you have been shown or been given or, or, or looking at, you know? It's really interesting for an answer because I was almost expecting, like that's, that's more beautiful than what I was looking for, thought that you'd say, <laughs> not looking for it. I was curious if it was like the industry then says, all right, he's legit. Oh yeah. But I like your answer of like, it's you, like it, 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 mm. it solidifies it for you it gives you that confidence yeah absolutely and i think too like as a hired gun mm. for all these artists too like it's it's pretty rare that you will get that external validation on on a grandiose level yeah, yeah. so you almost have to constantly do that for yourself right in order to maintain that yeah that's true you know your that's friends true. will do it for you mm -hmm. your parents will do it for you family will do it for you yeah hopefully yeah it's just different 
Yeah. It's just different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So another random question is before we get to the next chapter, do you have any yeah. like studio credits or anything? Did, was that ever a part of your life? Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. I've been thinking about this recently more and more um, because I have been doing more studio work over the past five years, but in film and TV. Oh, no way. Yeah. So the studio credits thing is, yeah, for whatever reason, it just hasn't materialized in a in a really meaningful resume packing you know, right, you're not like Danny Elfman over here scoring no, stuff. No, I'm not. Recording. You know, I'm yeah. not uh, Joey Warnker. I'm not Josh Free. Like, there's a million drummers who are those people. So, you know, there's that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm 98% of the drums on that Pixar movie, Luca. Really? Yeah. Oh, wait. Okay, so you've done some pretty legit stuff in film and TV yeah. and video games. Yeah, yeah. Mostly in part to my buddy Dan Romer. Um, there's other composers that I've been working with more and more. Um, I just did played a few cues, uh, for a movie called, I love my dad, which is this new Patton Oswalt movie. It's hysterical. Uh, highly recommend it. Damn, um, all right. there's an HBO show called station 11 that I recorded most of the drums for. I'm in the process of doing Superman and Lois season three right now. There's a show on Netflix called maniac, a show called yeah. easy. Um, yeah, recorded all the drums for those. I, I don't know anything about that. Mm-hmm. I like I, I have no idea how music crosses over. Is that like is that a cool way to like be home? Like I'd imagine a lot of that happens in LA. Like is that yeah, how has that been? How's that experience in the juxtaposition to touring and like Yeah, well, I mean this this kind of crosses over into the next chapter. In okay, a way. well, perfect then. Yeah, I have a furniture business. Yeah. It occupies a very large warehouse space. Yeah. Turns out that that warehouse space sounds great for theatrical drums no way so if superman for instance happening right now i'll work a day at the shop yeah wood 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 saws hammers nails that's not at all what i do saws, hammers, <laughs> it's yeah it's wood glue and clamps and yeah. it's complicated and then i'll take a dinner break and then at seven i'll set up all my recording gear in the wood shop no way and then i'll record in the shop no way because i mean it's a 3500 square foot space right there are a lot of there are you know, it's hard to get a studio that size in most places. Yeah. It's hard to get a studio that size for under, you know, $2,000 a day. So if I can just do that in my warehouse and it sounds as big, it's wow. not going to sound as good. I don't have great isolation. If there's a dog outside, if there's a loud car driving by, it's going to end up on the recording and I have to edit and I have to go back and re-record it. Right. But still how big that is and it's kind of worth it Yeah. to... to work around that and that has become like the new aha moment for me is like we all want you know we all want the playground right we all want to be have a central location where we can do a bunch of like really fun stuff that is inspiring and creative and and pushes us and and now i have this space where i can do that and it feels great you know dude okay so yeah like let's really get into this chapter because you said one thing where i was like Oh, damn. Did the chapter happen at COVID? Was that the thing that forced the chapter? Because if you were touring super heavy, yeah, was that a moment where you're like, oh, shit, I got to rethink this? Or was it something that you had been wanting to do uh, before that? Yeah, it was kind of, it's interesting. Everybody, a lot of my friends anyway, have said like you timed that perfectly without intentionally timing it perfectly. Was out on the road with Troy Savon for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, it was the top of 2018. We had two months off. And it was the first time in my life since the age of three that I had become uninspired to play drums and that it wasn't bringing me the joy that it did. I wasn't 
uh, pursuing perfection. I wasn't trying to get better. It was just yeah. kind of running I, on its own. And and yeah, dude, it, I feel you. I I like when I was tour managing. Like, yeah, it was a dr- every day was a dream come true. Yeah, you're like I'm in a new city. I'm with all my best friends. This is fun. I get to explore. And then like this tiny creep, and you're like, fuck, I'm like not that stoked. Yeah. And like ah, oh, I like miss this thing, or like I really don't care about it. It's a yeah. weird mental thing. Oh, I can't go to another wedding of people I care about. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, whatever those tiny nuanced things are, like you feel the like I was getting jaded at my favorite thing, and I was like, that's yeah. not a spot I want to be at. Yeah. So you kind of felt that. Totally. Absolutely. Interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. The one pillar that had always brought me joy and happiness was yeah. like not showing up. And that's what a crazy, I mean, for me, that was one of the hardest times in my life because that's your identity. That's your happy place. That's your career. That's everything, you know, maybe this is how people end up unhappy in life, but it's like, if you don't have the courage yeah. to, to, to say that to yourself or to others, or to think about a way to reinvent it, you yeah. probably keep doing the thing. Totally. But you, so Absolutely. you had this moment where you're like, oh shit, I got to think about this. Yeah. Whoa. I was okay. like, what's going to bring me back to that? Whoa. Okay. I'd always had a fascination with architecture and design and furniture and how things are built, how things function, but never made the space in my life to really investigate it that heavily. I ended up doing a record with a guy named Vaughn Robinson, who was a full-time interior and industrial designer who loved music and who had grown up, you know, listening to XTC and, and a lot of like cool 80s new wave and like also like quirky pop records and wanted to make a record and i ended up playing on his record and throughout that just like the bug was instantly grabbed where everything i looked at was just like how was that design how was that built what's the function of that like what is that what kind of purpose does that serve the user what does it do to the space around it that's but that, so you know, and cool. that was like, that was 2014. So between 2014, 18, maybe it was even earlier, like 2008. It was a journey. It, yeah. I just had always like, just been interested in design and like, yeah. didn't realize it. And I said like, all right, well, where's the first place I want to start? Like, I love the aesthetic of Japanese woodwork. I love the aesthetic of Scandinavian furniture. Can I combine the two? How do I do that? I guess I have to take a woodworking apprenticeship mm. and and figure that out. So I found this guy on Instagram who somehow was connected via some drum world stuff. He, you know, I didn't really figure it out, but I just reached out to him. And I was like, hey man, can I just come hang out at your shop? I just want to see what you do and how you do it. I'm super fascinated. Sick. And he was, bless this guy. He was so gracious. And he was like, man, of course, like I'm in the Bay Area. Next time you're up here, just come and hang out. Dude. And I walk into his shop and he's got drums in the corner of his shop. No he's like, yeah, way. I used to tour as a drummer for a while. I was Stop like, get it. the fuck out of here. I'm, Stop right, we're it. Great. No way. This is another moment where like, as the podcast host, I, I stop and point out something that I think is so important of just like, shout out to those people. Like, I hope people always pay that forward. Like, the, oh, man. the people that are willing yeah. to mentor, the people that are willing to like, see the random dm or message or or email or whatever and take a chance on somebody like i think it takes on the person reaching out being vulnerable i think you have to be honest and authentic but Mm -hmm. like 
shout out like that's so special when that happens it was you great experience that yeah and and obviously now like i you know any chance i get if a friend is like i would love to come see the shop and see yeah. what you do i'm like yes yeah yep. come in yeah come the hang out do you want to build something let's show you how to like build that. something yeah yeah so i did i did this apprenticeship and and, and the world you know like uh, i don't know i kind of took it as a great sign like that's as i was in the apprenticeship with him as i was in his office i got the call that I might be working with Miley Cyrus later that year. Okay. So it was wow. just like, okay, this is, then this means I'm doing the right thing. That's how I took it. Maybe that's not how yeah. you spoke, but I was just like, yeah, I'm yeah, in the right place. So yeah. we're going to go with it. I did some touring with Miley. I came back. I started building really shitty furniture for my house. <laughs> yes. I'm so glad it doesn't exist anymore. There's a couple <laughs> things that might. Miley stuff is happening. I get back. Dan Romer again, moving into a new house. I need a, a desk for my recording studio. Do you want to just like try and build me something? Whoa, okay. And it and it just clicked. Oh. Yeah. You found your thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, or w one of the things. One of, yeah. Yeah. But it was like, instead of you just making, like copying what you saw as a table or something, it was a challenge to be like, yeah. I know music. I know, for, I know woodworking. Yeah. Music furniture is really ugly and really clunky yeah. and really cheaply made. There you go. Let's wow. let's like make some good. This was stuff. a really fun challenge, and it yeah, worked. yeah, yeah, and it worked, Fuck. and and from there it's you know it's it snowballed and scaled pr pretty quickly. It seems I would say that it wasn't full time until until COVID hit. Got it. There would be a you know a little tour here and there, um, playing on some TV shows, whatever, mm -hmm. and then I build a desk here and there. Okay, mm -hmm. I build a you know like a table for someone mm -hmm. and, and then covid happened we all stopped i went back to connecticut for a few months and then in june of 2020 it was like everyone was sitting at home everyone was going like why did i buy this cheap furniture mm. in the first place mm. i'm recording at home i need someone who can build me something to help me record at home that i want to look at Mm -hmm. because my that partner is like me. you're yeah. putting this in the living room of our house yeah yeah like wait well, i don't want to look at that every day right make something nice make something we can look at and and also eat dinner at if we need to you know yeah, like whatever yeah. and so that that's when it really solidified so like i did get started pre-covid but i would say covid is really what like cemented it as a permanent structure yeah. in my life yeah i don't think we've said the name of the studio once yet Oh, okay. It's Criscow Design. Okay. My Adam Criscow, my last name. Really inventive. Really like pushing yeah. the envelope yeah. here. Yeah. It's really, really. Uh. Well, I mean, honestly, though, I've struggled so much with naming shit. Oh, I hate like, it. I, it's the worst. It's and the that's worst. Like, that's so timeless. Like, and I was, you know, doing... like, ugh, uh, fuck me for even saying this. I think I'm the only Adam Criscow that exists, or at least I'm the only one that comes up when when you Google, Google it. Stuff. Right. So, so it's I was easy just like, SEO. oh, I don't. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't need to make a name and then like worry that there's three other bands that already have that name and I was a lawsuit and whatever. Right. Chris Cow Design. It is. Yeah. Sick. Sick. So and that for a listener like that was your that was your moment of like you found your thing was music furniture. Or what do you call that? Like, I'm I'm not so educated in that world. Like, is how how do you? Yeah, like, a recording studio furniture. Yeah, cool. Yeah. And will you do stuff outside of that as well? Oh, I absolutely do. Same. Yeah, and that's like honestly the goal. Music related furniture is great, but it's generally has to be customized mm -hmm. per piece. Mm -hmm. um, everybody has a different workflow. Everybody has different gear. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So 
we also do tables, beds, credenzas, coffee tables, um, conference tables, you know, wow. bigger industrial items, things like that. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So it's like you have become a full functioning business of like custom furniture, custom yeah. anything. Yeah. All wood or have you gone outside of that now? It's mostly wood. Yeah. 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 I mean, we have metal components. There's times where I'll get metal legs fabricated. I integrate marble here and there. Yeah. Uh, I really want to get into lighting at some point. Wow. but So you've like really built a business. And this is, again, something that I get so excited to talk about because my natural path of life is like I had the the beginning of music and then like we talked about it's like you have this moment where you're like wait am I not in love with this and yeah. obviously you've kind of found your love in that again and you've like have this perfect balance but I found myself getting so excited about creative careers and my entrepreneurial friends yeah just basically taking an idea taking something you're passionate about and sending it and like going for it and getting it to the spot where it's functional. So I'm so equally as excited to hear about that. And I think it's really inspiring because it's proof that it's not like you don't have to, even if you grew up at four years old, just playing the drums, there's more to life and you can, you can do so much more. And yeah. I think that's really cool to talk about. Thanks, man. I mean, yeah. it's certainly been very eye opening Yeah, to kind of go like, wait, it is possible to do, you know, start something when you're, you know, 36, 37. And it's like, right? You're like, wait, I can do this. This can work. Like there, yeah. if I, you know, if music all of a sudden doesn't work out, COVID, yeah, then I have something that's gonna sustain that. And and I also have now it's created this really incredible space for me selfishly, yeah. where every time I do get to go and play drums, yeah, I'm loving it every yeah, minute that wow. I get. Wow. It's way more I fun. I need to come see this space. Please come by. So yeah, yeah, yeah. sick. Not only did you get to scratch that creative itch and really double down and do the thing, it's it's brought a new wave of inspiration to your original passion of drums. Yeah, absolutely. That's so sick. That's so sick. And I think there's also something in that of like, that, that was never the plan. You were never like, oh, the drums for Superman are going to sound better when I open a <laughs> furniture studio. Yeah. Like that's not... Yeah. But it's like, it's cool that that just by doing it and circumstance and it, it coming together, all of these things have continued to unlock. Yeah. As we sit down right now, are, are you finding yourself like half, half? Like, do you want to get back out on the road? Have you been more fulfilled just running the studio, building stuff and doing yeah. some studio stuff? Like where, where does it sit? It's not half, half right now. I would like it to be half, half if possible. Yeah. I did have folks working for me while I was gone, Sick. which was really helpful and it's great. And I'm I'm so stoked to like be building a team. But at the same time, it's so custom in nature. It's hard to really like release the grip on that. My first tour in about four years um, was Hegan and Sarah right. in, in November, October, November. Yeah. And it was great. And it was like, the, it was the perfect length. You know, it was a month long. I could come back. I had plenty of furniture work to get to, mm -hmm. but nobody was really left hanging in the lurches there, mm -hmm. you know, wondering where their pieces are. Yeah. I think, sorry, if anybody. I think that's sick though. Like if, if my custom builder homie was like, yo, BRB, I got to go play drums for Tegan and Sarah around the world. I'd be like, bet. Yeah, it's it doesn't hurt when you're like, I'm going to play SNL with Miley Cyrus. I'm yeah. sorry, I gotta go. And people are like, yeah, okay, great. Yeah. You know, like, I'll tape it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you know, like, where like, can I send me a link when it's done? Um, so sick. I'm really grateful to have that. Uh, you know, now that it, the biggest challenge I'm finding is I end up working with a lot of composers who I really admire or musicians who I, you know, really 
look up to their work and would love to work with at some point. Yeah. And I'm bringing a table into their dining room and it's great, but it's really hard. Kind of like you and I, like you met me at a time when it was more furniture than it was music. And we've had to dig into the music side. It's really hard to not be like, Hey, I, I play drums too. And here's yeah. my script I wrote. Yeah. Could you, <laughs> yeah, would you read it? I know I'm just giving you a ride to your job today. Would you read my script? Yeah. Like, I don't ever want to be that, that right. human. That tact. Like yeah. you kind of read the room, you know, the like, you know how to separate the two. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, that's the biggest challenge right now is like kind of convincing people that I do both of these things at an equal, you know, at an equal pace, I guess you could say. Right. And like you're professional at both. Like yeah. you can hold your own at both. Like yeah. you're like, oh, it's like neither one is just your cute hobby. Like it's like, no, 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 you really do this. Did you run into any uh, like starting a like legitimate business? Like was that something that came natural to you or how no you, it's still not i'm having oh yeah i need okay. help okay yeah it's right. really like you know running PL sheets is like uh -huh. definitely not my forte yeah i have no business schooling i've learned the word scaling uh -huh. i uh -huh. need to scale <laughs> that's good uh yeah i that's something that i wish i had more of a, a an acumen for because it just wasn't taught in my family mm. thankfully mm. you know like I was always brought up just going like, yeah, be a musician. You you have, you should just do it. You yeah, love doing right, it. Go do for it. it. Just do yeah. It. Don't worry about anything well, else. You know, it's funny. Like, I, thank you for being so honest on that because I think like for me, if I was listening to a podcast like this and I'd hear that, like I wouldn't have even thought, like I'd stop at being like, I don't want to deal with like having to learn how to start a business. Like that's good for him. He got to make his own <laughs> furniture business. So, yeah. like, the fact that you're like, nah, dude, just like, I just did it. Like I could be better at it, but like I just did it and it still worked. I think is almost more encouraging. Hmm. Cool. Great. Right? Like, yeah. You know what I'm saying though? Is like, it's cool that you're just like, I, I could be better. Like, I, yeah, I'm still learning. And like, that's yeah. cool. Like that's, I find that so much more encouraging that it's like, you don't have to be the fucking Harvard MBA business degree, whatever right. to be like, no, you know what? It's time to build furniture. Like, no, like you, you had an artistic skill or you had this trade mm -hmm. skill, however you define that. And you just made it work. I mean, that's the creative's pursuit, right? Like, if you if you are creative, if you are an artist, we all know that perfection is not possible. Mm. But the the journey is like the the striving for the the perfection. Yeah, it, the same thing comes in here. Is like I want to get better at building stuff. I would love to be a better business person. Mm. But for me, like the journey of figuring that out is just as exciting. You know what I mean? Whenever that's, possible. Like that's that's what keeps you going. Yeah, in my opinion. And if you're not going for that, then like you need change things in your life to figure out how you can put things in place to go for that whatever it is i've, I've had talks recently with friends who were just like i don't know i was a successful musician and now i'm like writing books and tv and like the music is just like not satisfying and is that is that a problem and it's like no it's not yeah. a problem you just have like creative pursuits that are pulling you in other directions yeah and you're a creative and you right. like if something feels stagnant yeah then you don't then it's okay to put that on the shelf for a little bit and push towards something else that's going to like fulfill that yeah that creative need inside you it's it's such a cool lesson to share and through real life experience because like i know i personally like i didn't even play music right it was just yeah, i just right. knew that world yeah and it was a really scary weird identity crisis thing of like I don't know if I love this anymore, but it's all I know. And forever I thought this was going to be the thing. How do you shift? Mm. So I think like sharing those stories and, and kind of like 
I, I just think that there's nothing good that comes out of that. And it's super encouraging. And it's, it's weird. It's like a weird moment in your life. And I, I, it's not that everybody has to go through that either. I think a lot of people do just stay in their lane forever and it's yeah. sick. Yeah. But the fact that you can pivot and that doesn't mean that you then have to just go get the desk job, that pivoting can stay creative and yeah. continue to inspire and, and be synergistic with what you're doing is fucking cool. Yeah. 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 Well said. <laughs> I love that, dude. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. If you were to go back to yourself at any point in your career, um, but like the most trying or the most uncertain, what point do you go back to and what do you tell yourself then with what you know now? You know, it's interesting. It's like, it's trusting the process has always been a common theme because for every, for every rocky moment that I've had, for every moment of doubt, there's always some, there's always like a high peak to, to counteract that. Um, and I think as long as you take time to reflect in those successful moments, that can kind of outweigh the, the bad shit that gets in the way of all that. You just had another moment. Oh, that's, did I? All right. Well, yeah. Well, cause like for me, like that's at least like, that's my advice that lately I've like really continued to tell myself is I say, enjoy the process, but it's, it's specifically yeah. that it's just be present in the moment, but like learn from all of it and like yeah. the highs and the lows, like whatever you're doing, whatever, whatever is meant for you will come, whatever isn't will, will pass. Like yeah. that, that is something lately that I have embraced a lot instead of like this, not FOMO, but just the like, I have to be doing this, this, and this. So this lines up. So this goal happens by this age of just like show up, do your best, enjoy the process. Yeah. And it's going to work is, is something that like, even now me, if I could go back, like, I'm going to have to keep telling myself, like, I'll tell <laughs> oh, that to 18 year old me. I'll tell that to 25 year old me, but I think I'm just going to have to keep telling that. To oh me. man. I mean, since I was like in my early twenties, my mom has been saying, trust the timing to me. Oh fuck. There and I was just like, yeah okay. and when you're young you don't want to hear it you're like okay whatever mom yeah but damn. now i'm like yep yep <laughs> tell everybody else yeah. <laughs> run it up ma run it up <laughs> where uh what's the best place for everyone to find you on instagram it's at adam chris Gow. yeah um that's a-d-a-m-c-h-r-i-s-t-g-a-u and it's also the furniture page is uh, at Chris Gow Design. Sick. And same with the website, adamchrisgow.com, chrisgowdesign.com. Sick. Cool. Yeah. I'll make sure to link those then too. Oh, thank you. Thank you for doing this. Thanks this for having really me. really fun. I, I like, again, we were friends first and to hear your story, I'm like, oh, fuck, you really do this. Like, oh, it's, it's cool. Man. It like makes me, it, it makes me more excited for the homie, you know? I appreciate it so much. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you bring it out of people. So thank you for doing that. <laughs> <laughs>